2022. The midterms explained. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Precious Green. I'm the director of programming here at Manny's, and I'm so excited because today we are going to hear about a hot state, literally and figuratively. My guest is the executive director of the Arizona Democratic Party, Charlie Fisher. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, for having me, Precious, and thank you all for being here. Definitely. And one thing I will say, everyone, um, just knowing how hardcore our community is, I hope you all are noticing that amazing sign behind Charlie, Mondale Ferrara, Ferrara, Ferrara. Did I pronounce it correctly? Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, you're close. Close enough. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and dive on in. So... Arizona voted for Biden in 2020. How can we keep that momentum up and push it through to the midterms? Yeah, no, it's, it's a fantastic question. And I think you're exactly right that that's that is the challenge ahead of us. You know, I, I, I think there is we recognize a little bit of an enthusiasm gap and we need to address it and we need to be all in on making sure that, you know, we're, we're doing literally everything in our power to communicate with with our Democratic voters, you know, of course, across Arizona, but across the country to make sure they understand the stakes of the 2022 election. You know, we know that history is tells us that midterms are challenging for the party in power at the federal level. Um, but I think we, first of all, cannot get sucked into a lot of this sort of national narrative of what's happening in D.C. Right? We have to I recognize we know, I think, more than most that there have been some disappointments at the federal level, um, but we also are very aware of the fact that we passed historic American Rescue Plan, multi almost $2 trillion bill, right, really early in the Biden-Harris administration. Um, I can't even remember how long we've been talking about Infrastructure Week you know, as, it, as it relates to the, to the federal work um, and the fact that we were able to get both of those things done in less than one year of the Biden-Harris administration, I think gives us a lot to be proud of. Um, but my answer to this question almost always is, is we've got to organize, right? We've got to commit to the grassroots work. We've got to knock on doors. We have to make phone calls, invest or engage our friends and family. Like there's no more effective way to turn people out than to hear it from a trusted source. Um, and and we got to start at the bottom of the ballot, right? The federal races are hugely important. And we have, I think the most important US Senate race here in Arizona, but it extends so much, so much more beyond that. And I think particularly when it comes to the issue of voting rights, that battle's happening in the states and we cannot lose sight of that. And we got to communicate that with our folks on the ground. Now, one thing that I remember um, learning about the grassroots work in Arizona was the coalitions that came together to really make 2020 happen. How are we doing um, the party and those coalition partners like maintaining that momentum? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I do want to give a, a, a shout out to, you know, all of our sort of um, C3 and C4 infrastructure here. Our, our um, America Votes affiliate is called Arizona Wins, and they have been really leading the charge on a lot of this work. Um, I think in state, the work's been happening for generations, right? But I think we really look back here at 2010 as, as the year that was the catalyst um, that really propelled these these groups founded, you know, in, in the aftermath in some instances, but to a new level of engagement and professionalism um, and effectiveness. And so um, it was really, it was the passage of SB 1070 in, in 2010. Um, and it was the recall of Russell Pierce, the author of that horrible piece of legislation um, that has 
has has driven us to this moment. It wasn't long ago that Arizona was a you know sort of like rock rib safe Republican seat, um, and just in really three max four election cycles, we've become one of the most critical battlegrounds. And so um, we are very fortunate to have a chairwoman um, who apologizes that she can't be here. She is at the state capitol fighting some some voter suppression bills as we speak. Um, but who comes from the movement world. Um, she is an organizer through and through. Um, she's worked in labor. She's worked in progressive advocacy circles. And so she has been really done an unbelievable job of continuing to strengthen the relationships and the communication, not coordination, with our with our outside partners um, and making sure that, you know, that we're not stopping in between cycles. And so they have continued to do that work. And, and we've answered the call internally at ADP with a launching of a, our permanent first ever permanent statewide organizing program um, will exist in perpetuity to do a lot of this work as well. Oh, that's excellent to hear. Uh, we also spoke with uh, Representative Nakima Williams from Georgia, and they are undergoing the same year round uh, organizational programming. So I'm excited to hear that's happening in Arizona. And I will let you know that our audience is filled with activists and donors and just passionate people. So I'll be asking you several times how we here in California and around the country can get involved and support. So before I pivot, do you wanna go ahead and let um, our viewers know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the very few silver linings of, of campaigning in 2020 is that we, I think we really honed our skills and one of the lasting takeaways for me and for us here in Arizona is that there's so much value in having volunteers who aren't actually in state. And there can be such a huge impact in folks, whether, you know, and I, I recognize some folks on the call and, um, that I've worked with in the past. But, um, you know, whether you've got a group that's really passionate about sending out individualized postcards, right, phone banking virtually anywhere across the country is critical. If folks are able to come out and knock on doors, we are committed pending all of, you know, all of the best guidance we can get. But we, we want to knock on doors and get back in communities. And we've already started. And we know that you just can't substitute face-to-face -face conversation with anything else. And then, of course, contributions, races cost money, organizing costs money. And I, I, I heard that Senator Kelly had already joined you. So I'm excited that you got to hear from him and, and his races. We already said unbelievably important, but so many state level races that I think often go under the radar, right? Having a, a Democratic governor in Arizona is an immediate stopgap to whatever Republicans put forward in the legislature and they're putting forward some crazy stuff. Secretary of State, secretaries of state races are critical. And we have two really, really great Democratic candidates running against some of the scariest conspiracy theorists, a, a guy who literally helped organize the attempted insurrection um, and is a proud member of the Oath Keepers. So I, I would say volunteer always in whatever capacity that you can give whatever you can. And, and, you know, once you've you've taken care of the big picture sort of national races, please do some research and some digging into not only the state legislative work, which is critical, but the statewide as well. Excellent. And we've put the links in for donations and volunteering with the Arizona Democratic Party, everyone. Make sure you click on those or jot them down. And of course, we'll include them in our follow up summary document. So talking about Sen the senators of Arizona, one, Mark Kelly is like the coolest person. He he was just great. And as you said, he's in a tough reelection, <clears throat> excuse me, race. What are some of the key issues that are coming out um, of that race? And how are you all feeling um, about the race? I ask that because obviously there is another senator from Arizona who 
Okay, Jason's giving us an indication of how people are feeling about her, but I will use the 2022 term or 2021 problematic. Um, And so I'm wondering, are you concerned that that senator's problematicness might affect turnout? And if so, how are we combating that? Yeah, so I guess I'll start by completely co-signing your comment about Senator Kelly. Not many cooler people or or more like impressive, incredible lives that you can imagine. And we're so fortunate to have him representing our states and, and running, by all accounts, an unbelievable re-election campaign. In, in terms of the issues in that race, I, I think there's going to be multiple, of course, continuing to to respond and rebound to COVID and try to bring some some sense of normalcy back to people's lives. I know Senator Kelly has been really focused on working with the administration to address inflation because we all know that, you know, the the overall economy is is doing incredibly well. Wages are up. Unemployment is down. GDP growth is like record record levels. But the reality is that people aren't necessarily feeling that in their day to day. And and we can't just pretend like that's not happening, um, like inf- inflation isn't real. Gas prices aren't what they are. And so Senator Kelly's laser focused, as I'm sure he said to you all, on addressing you know, economic impacts uh, of the pandemic and making sure that working families, average Arizonans and small business owners, frankly, which are the lifeblood of our economy, have the resources they need to reopen, reopen safely and, and, and get our economy back on track. Access to health care will continue to be an enormous issue. Um, and as you all can relate in, in California, water is going to be critical. And the senator is an absolute leader on, on that as well. And so there are a handful of other issues. He, he just introduced a bill, I believe, last week with Senator Ossoff of Georgia to ban corporate PACs um, and, and some other sort of good government provisions. So just trying to sort of clean up Washington and and make sure that the institution functions as it's supposed to. In terms of Senator Sinema, obviously, you all probably heard that um, uh, at our last state committee meeting a couple of weeks ago, our, you know, our central governing body felt it was really important to take a strong stand and, and took a unprecedented step of, of formally censuring I will remind folks, as our first Democratic senator from Arizona since the 80s, since Dennis DeConcini left office. And we did not take that that step lightly. And frankly, it's not a position that we wanted to be in. But I do feel confident that, you know, when all is said and done, that we will have done the right thing, um, even though it was it was really, really difficult. And so we cannot allow frustration with Senator Cinema or any senator, whether it's Manchin Cinema, you know, Chuck Schumer. We have to we've got to we have to focus on the big picture. We have to understand what what is truly at stake and recognize who's on the ballot in 2022. And that's what we're absolutely committed to doing. We, we recognize that we disagree with Senator Sinema. We also need her to support our uh, President Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court um, and what other, what any other you know pieces of legislation and, and platform that we can get done. So we do not want to alienate her. We don't want the 22 election to be about primarying Kirsten Cinema in 2024. Let's let's focus on that in 2023. Let's do the work now to hold the Senate and win some of these state level offices. Excellent. Thank you for being so clear on that, because you're right. What matters right now is 2022 and also these other races. So I'd like us to pivot a little bit to the governor's race. So your current governor is termed out, yay. Um, And so we have an open seat. How optimistic are you about the party's chances for taking that? I am. So I think across the board, what we are expecting is another round of really, really close statewide races. From Senator Kelly on down to the state mine inspector, which, fun fact, is an elected office here in Arizona for some reason. <laughs> but we're expecting these all of these races to be razor thin. 
which is you know at the same both nerve-wracking and, and really exciting and frankly motivating. I think we talk about a lot that you know folks in in really safe states, you know, when it when it comes to their sort of their electoral swing can feel like a little bit of a lack of, you know, a lack of agency when it comes to these national elections and and these critical races. And it's one of the reasons I am always excited to talk to a group of Californians who already deeply understand that and are looking for ways to engage in, in other states. But I am cautiously optimistic that that we've got a really good chance in the Republic in the governor's race. We have a we do have a primary. So our sitting secretary of state, Katie Hobbs, is Perceived as the front runner, I think that's probably an accurate take at this point. She has a um, really fairly high name ID um, and did an unbelievable job defending our, you know, our state and our election system in 2020 from her position. But we also have two other really strong candidates, a state state representative, uh, Aaron Lieberman, um, as well as the former mayor of Nogales, Marco Lopez. So regardless of who emerges from that primary, I feel really good um, that they're going to really run a really strong campaign and, and, and do everything we possibly can. Excellent. And one of the questions I've noticed popping up in the chat, how does Arizona's electorate break down? Is it one third, like, is it one third independent in uh, one third Democrat, one third GOP or what's yep. the, what's the map? Almost exactly a third, third, third. So Republicans and independents sort of every single new registration updates will like have a couple thousand more than the other. And Democrats are about about 100,000, 150,000 behind. Um, so we've got just over, and I actually just looked, just under 4.5 million registered voters in Arizona, and about 1.4 million of those are, are registered Democrats. About 1.5 Republican and just under 1.5 Independent. So as evenly split as it gets. And so what are the issues that you're seeing are driving the gubernatorial race? Yeah, so I, at this point, it's been it's been pretty focused on the respective primaries. Um, okay. The Republicans, uh, similarly to the U.S. Senate race, although I think it's even a, a little bit worse at the governor level, um, are running some of the, you know, everyone in, in the Arizona GOP is using the Trump playbook verbatim. Um, Trump has already endorsed uh, one of our, our, our uh, Republican candidates for governor, Carrie Lake, who is a longtime Fox 10 local news anchor. Uh, I believe she was on the air for 25 years. Um, and then 2018, sort of just did a complete 180 as far as we can tell and, and really leaned into all the conspiracy theories, all of the hateful rhetoric um, and has just made that the centerpiece of her platform. Um, so we've got some really scary opposition on the Republican side, um, but the issues will, will continue to be you know fairly similar, right? We've got a really low ranking uh, public school system here in Arizona that needs desperately needs investment. Um, we need access to healthcare. You know, for all of our folks, we need to support small businesses and give working folks, you know, a, a chance to get up rather than this, you know, a continuation of Ducey's, you know, corporate tax cuts every year. So really sticking to, to the bread and butter and talking about issues that that folks are you know, thinking about in their day to day lives. Excellent. OK. OK. Um, so now we're going to go back uh, to Congress. And I know that Arizona has an independent redistricting commission that has created the new maps for 2020. Um, how do you guys feel about those? Yeah, we always do independent in scare quotes here in state because um, while it is or it was in its conception, I think a, a national model for how to take partisanship out of the process. Um, we saw this time specifically the 2021 IRC uh, that the governor and his allies have spent 
the better part of really both of his terms, stacking the commission that actually appoints the commissioners. And so what ended up happening this this uh, go round, unfortunately, is that the, the chair and just a quick refresher, two Democrats, two Republicans appointed by legislative leadership, and then those four commissioners elect a independent chair. Um, so what that means in practice is you, everything that we do around redistricting, there's an audience of one. And the way that that one person leans is ultimately going to determine the, the overall outcome of the maps. And um, really, really proud of the work that our Democratic commissioners did. We, in coalition with NDRC, with the Arizona Winds Table, um, with the Latino Coalition for Fair Redistricting, we drove folks to turn out. We trained hundreds of people across the state to make sure that they were giving testimony and advocating for their communities. Most of it fell on deaf ears, and the chairwoman chose to to accept carte blanche any Republican or Republican leaning um, you know statement or priority, while almost entirely disregarding the priorities of of constituencies like the Navajo Nation, other tribal communities, you know Latino leaders, and so. It could have been a lot worse if our Democratic commissioners were not as effective, um, but we certainly, we, we still have competitive congressional districts. We still have a path to the majority in the legislature. So um, it's not all bad news, but we're certainly disappointed in the outcome. Okay. Talk a little bit about the competitive districts. Um, I know, la actually earlier this month, we had Jevin Hodge here, really exciting candidate was, you know, just, like, wow, <laughs> what it, he would be such an asset in Congress. Um, how are you feeling about those new districts that you feel are competitive? And which yeah. ones are they? Totally. Yeah. No, Jevin, Jevin is fantastic. He is just a, uh, a shot of energy, regardless of the day or the time of day. Um, he is always going to bring, bring the 100%. Um, so, big fan. Yeah. No, those, the, so the two, essentially what happened is um, Congressman Gallego retained his safe. Um, you know, majority Latino seat, Congressman Grijalva down in south uh, southwestern Arizona did the same. Um, and then we feel pretty confident that Congressman Stanton is going to win re-election in, in his new district, which is number four, which leaves two competitive districts. Um, and, and that is one, which is the sort of Northeast Valley. That's David Schweikert is the incumbent there that Jevin is running in. There is a primary. Um, but I know that the the D trip is is really prioritizing that race and, and feels really good. Um, and then the second is the Southern Arizona Bay seat. It's number six now, um, and currently represented by by Congresswoman Kirkpatrick, who's who's retiring. So that will be an open seat. Um, CD one is almost a almost a pure toss up. I I think it's an R plus like one point five or two. Um, so very very winnable. Um, CD six down in Tucson area and, and reaches all the way to the border is a little bit more challenging, um, but I still think it's winnable. And we have two really, really strong Democratic candidates in, in Daniel Hernandez and, and Kirsten Engel, um, who've been doing this work for a long time and are, uh, according to last night's FEC reports, are, are working hard and raising money. Oh. I muted myself to cough, sorry. When are the primaries? Our primaries are the first Tuesday in August. Oh, um, I believe it's the second this year, but I can confirm that. That's so it's a, late. That's a really short general campaign window. Yeah, really, really short. So it's, it is the challenge. And it's, yeah. it is why I think all of the work pre-primary is so critical in our ultimate success. We cannot wait for nominees, right? We've got to do the work now. And, and, and we've been doing it at ADP since, since last summer. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that's really long. Okay. <laughs> All 
All right. So now let's turn to the state legislature where the Republicans hold slim majorities. What is the overall makeup of the legislative body and what opportunities do you see for pickups? Yeah, this is a a subject that will always be near and dear to my heart for um, before I stepped into this role at the state party, I led our joint caucus effort um, for the 2018 and 2020 cycles. So was only focused on the state house and state Senate and really, really proud of the work that we did. But um, we did fall painfully short uh, of flipping um, a chamber. But we are as narrowly divided as, as they can possibly be. We've got 60 member state house. Um, And there are currently 31 Republicans and 29 Democrats. And we have a 30 member state Senate with 16 Republicans and 14 Democrats. So um, Republicans can only afford to lose one vote on any given bill, which gives us just a tiny, tiny bit of hope that some of these most egregious suppression and and other discriminatory bills will not get through this session. But we also know that some of the most extreme Republican legislators have been empowered even more post 2020. I feel slightly better, uh, frankly, about the legislative map post redistricting than I do about the congressional. I I think there are still paths to both and and we have some phenomenal candidates. There are five seats still uh, in the legislature that are deemed sort of tier one competitive and um, that we think are are, are really winnable. Um, The challenge post redistricting is there's not sort of a clear sense of who's an incumbent. A lot of incumbents were drawn into the same districts, although curiously enough, almost only happened to Democrats, didn't really happen to the Republicans. Um, so so there's still some work to be done, but but really the battleground regions here are in, in the Valley, in Maricopa County, in Northeast Phoenix, and, and Northwest Phoenix and Glendale. Those are two seats that we've picked up in recent years and will continue to be important. And then in the Southeast Valley, sort of Chandler, Mesa area, Ahwatukee, so the bulk of the district, just because of the population distribution, the bulk bulk of the competitive districts are here in the in the suburban Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple in Pinal County, which is just south of us, in between Phoenix and Tucson, which is a really fast-growing county, um, and some some competitive seats in southern Arizona as well. I am, I must admit, some fascination because, to your point, some of the most egregious, outlandish. Republican behavior and bills and and statements have come out of Arizona, but they don't actually have the dominant presence that they seem to think they do. So I I was really surprised when you gave the actual numbers. Um, But let's talk about that egregious behavior. What are people are curious, you know, voter suppression is taking over what are some of the legislative actions what's actually passed i know there's a lot of blowhards but what is actually happening on the ground in arizona in that regard yeah so we're still fairly early in this year's legislative session which means every every day is a little a little nerve-wracking so last year there were three really horrible bills that were that were making getting some real traction through the chambers and, and had a chance of being signed by the governor Fortunately, and, and again, thanks to the work of, of so many sort of advocates and folks who, who weighed in in opposition, the worst of those were were, were killed, um, but we do expect some of them to come back. The one bill that did pass last year, we have, have had for since 2000, um, or maybe even a little earlier, have had a wildly popular and successful and secure 
vote by mail system, no excuse. Um, it's called, it was called PEVL, the permanent early voting list. And I, over 80% of voters use it to vote regardless of party. It is not a, a huge advantage to Democrats, not a huge advantage to Republicans. It's simple, good government and making sure folks can participate. Republicans passed a bill last session that will throw off hundreds of thousands of folks from the per, formerly the permanent early voter list, which is now the active early voter list. If a voter does not participate in four consecutive elections, they will be removed from that role, not from the voting rolls entirely, but from the, the, the early vote list. And as you all could probably guess, it is uh, communities of color, it's tribal nations, um, it's rural folks, it's, it's uh, seniors and veterans who are going to be hit the hardest uh, by these bills or by that law now. So there have already been over 50 bills introduced in the first three weeks of this legislative session that I think the most painful is, uh, or, or the, the most horrific, would directly let the legislature overturn the results of elections uh, if they don't agree with the outcome. There is no provision for who to make that determination. If there is any, it's literally, if they don't like the outcome, the legislature can overturn it and send it to the courts. So and there's a bunch of other horrible provisions in there, but that's the one that really sticks out um, where we stand now. Yeah. I'm usually mm -hmm. a very loquacious, chatty kind of person and I'm gobsmacked. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But that is just a proposal. It's just legislation. It's not the law. So that's right. that we have... There is work to do, um, clearly. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just, wow. Like, what? Okay. 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 But I will I, say, if, yes. I, if I can really quickly, uh, also last Saturday, this didn't, didn't make the news as much as the Cinema Center, but we officially endorsed a state-level ballot initiative. It's called Arizonans for Free and Fair Elections, which will uh, counteract or hopefully proact a lot of the worst, uh, the worst voter suppression bills that are being put forward and, and frankly have a chance of passing this session. So it would it would enshrine uh, Pebble and make it permanent again so that vote by mail continues to be, you know, uh, exist in its current highly effective format. Uh, it would increase the number of drop boxes in rural areas. Can you still hear me? Yeah, your mic went out a little bit. So um, okay. automatic voter registration, same day registration, um, increase in vote by mail. It, there are specific provisions to make sure that Arizonans with disabilities and those under guardianship can access, you know, have easy access to the ballot. So there is work being done at the state level while we're all continue to be frustrated by the the obstruction at the federal level. At the state level, we're taking matters into our own hands and, and ADP is going to play a huge role in getting that thing on the ballot and, and hopefully passing. Excellent. So it's a ballot initiative. How many signatures, what do you need to get it on the ballot? The big lift. Republicans really dislike direct democracy here um, because it's, it's typically a, a Democrats and democratically. Yeah. Funny how that works. Um, <laughs> so it's about 100. The, the threshold is just over 150,000 qualified signatures by mid-July. Okay. Um, when you're collecting for things like this, you account for, you know, error and folks who have moved and things. So almost always want to get at least 20 percent higher. I would guess the campaign's going to shoot for probably a quarter of a million signatures. Okay, so a way that we in California can assist with that is donating to support the effort. What else can we be doing to support that? Because that would be a huge game changer. Yeah. On the ballot and pass. 
if you've got friends or family in Arizona, please let them know um, to be aware of this and to watch out for it. It's going to be here shortly, and we've got a planning call with the with the organizers of the effort uh, next week to make sure we're we're all aligned. Um, but want to make sure that all anyone who's got friends, family, um, colleagues in in Arizona that they know about this and urge them to sign and bring five friends. And I think just lifting up. Um, that this work is happening within your networks, right? Uh, I think this is one of the best tools that we have to combat the sense of like frustration and, and apathy. We didn't get it done at the federal level. We're not taking our toys and going home. We are committed to doing the work in the states um, and it's initiatives like this and it's state level races like we've talked about that are gonna, that are gonna sort of frankly save our democracy in the short term. Excellent, Charlie. I'm looking at the time. I want to make sure I respect everyone's time, but thank you so much. Um, you are, you have, you have a lot going on, <laughs> but we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Lots of valuable information. I'm seeing the chat. People have some direct engagement and interaction and experience with Arizona. So I think we are well underway in terms of reaching our friends and family there, as well as supporting in any way we can. Um, everyone, thank you so much. Charlie, this is awesome. A great way to close the first round of Blue and 22 Midterms Explained. But as I'm sure you know from the email from Manny, the email from me, we really appreciate your feedback and your excitement around this series. And so we're going to continue. Our next installment will be February 8th with the Democratic State Party Chair for the state of Texas. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> but we are so excited. We'll announce the other states as soon as we secure um, the party leadership. If there are states that you all are particularly interested in, you're like, no, this is a battleground for this reason, please send me an email. I'm precious at welcometomannies.com. You all know Manny is Manny at welcometomannies.com and let us know. In the meantime, if you are one of our sponsors, you have helped make this free event possible. Thank you all so much. Your support is something we are eternally grateful for. And if you're not a sponsor, what are you waiting for? You know, you're going to get that email from me with more information on how you can become a sponsor. And of course, make sure you follow us at welcometomannies.com. Everyone have a great afternoon. Charlie, again, thank you so much. And let's go kick some butt in Arizona. Let's do it. Right, thank you all. Bye.